0: In Acts chapter 3, we find a very a shocking message, if you will. Very, Peter stands up and he's preaching. This is, this is actually the one, one of two shocking messages that starts off the New Testament in the book of Acts. The, the New Testament church has been birthed on the day of Pentecost. And, and two messages back to back that Peter is preaching are absolutely shocking. And we... we We find here, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, we know he stands up and he preaches a spontaneous message and he prophesies from the book of Joel and he begins to declare and to proclaim this spontaneous message. Acts chapter 3 is the same thing. It's a spontaneous message. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 people gathered. You know the story. There was 120 gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out and they began to speak in tongues and... Worship the Lord in unknown languages and tongues. And- There was absolute pandemonium in the city. There was absolute chaos over what was happening with 120 people. There there are literally thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover. And here they are at the Feast of Pentecost. They're celebrating and they're worshiping together. And the temple is filled with people. Thousands of people have journeyed from all over. And 120 people touched by God are creating such a commotion that these thousands of people are captivated by what's happening. That tells me what was happening with those 120 people must have been pretty earth shattering. It must have been pretty shaking. The power and presence of God must have filled that place that day. And eyewitnesses start springing up. Now we all know eyewitnesses. You know, eyewitness (laughs) accounts. We've watched in the news. Eyewitness accounts. There's There's the person who Thought it happened, the person, the other person who saw what they happened, the person it happened to, the police, this, that, and the other. Everybody's got a different version of the story, and that's what was happening on the day of Pentecost. Everybody had a different version of what was happening. There, well, I, I'm from this country, and I hear him declaring. The worshiping God in this language and this is happening and that's happening. They're acting like they're drunk. They're acting like they're foolish. They've been drinking all day and now they're up in the temple throwing a fit in the temple area and causing a commotion here. They're drunk and oh my goodness and they're just losing their mind. How many have ever been in church like that? Wow, they're just losing their mind. These people must have just been drinking. Everybody had I y'all can laugh. It's okay. They were. That's what they said. Read your Bible. These men are drunk, Peter said. These men aren't drunk. He had to get up and correct the eyewitness accounts. And he spontaneously begins preaching. It's a spontaneous Spirit-inspired message. And he stands up and he says, men and women of Jesus, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And he begins to preach. This spontaneous message to the crowd that was gathered. Over 120 people. And we know it gets even messier than that. You think the 120 was bad. It went from 120 to 3,000. Just like that. Now it went from 120 people praying in tongues, rejoicing and worshiping the Lord, to 3,000 are now being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being baptized in water. Absolute pandemonium in Jerusalem that day. And Peter's standing up and he's preaching this message. The Spirit of the Lord, this is that, which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And then the next message that we pick up here in Acts 3, this is the next spontaneous message that starts. The first message was about the spontaneous outpouring of the presence of the Lord. And the next message was about the spontaneous power of God. You see, this man, this lame man in Acts chapter 3 had been sitting by the gate of the temple his whole life. He was lame. He couldn't move. Jesus had passed him. The, The apostles had passed him. The disciples had passed him. They'd all walked by this man. He'd been there his whole life. And it was their custom to go to the temple they were doing. Matter of fact, that's what Acts 3 says, as it was their custom. This was a daily routine for them. They had seen this man lame every day by the temple gate. But this day was a different day. This day was a God day. This day was a divine appointment day for the lame man at the gate. And we know this story. And Peter and John walked up to him and he was begging for alms, begging for money. Give me money. And Peter said, you know, we hear this all the time. Give me money. And you know, there's only so much we can do. But there is a limitless supply of the power of God. Amen, I'm glad you're excited about that. There is a limitless supply of the power of God. He can change you, He can heal you. He can set you free today. It doesn't matter what burden you're carrying, the power of God can liberate you today. It doesn't matter what situation you're facing, the power of God is limitless for you today. Peter and John walked up to him and said, "Silver and gold, I don't have, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And we know the story. He went leaping in church where's the ushers get the man out he's lost his mind he's demon possessed get him out oh my goodness somebody's having fun in church we got to stop that we don't allow that you can't jump in church you can't dance in church you can't smile in church you can't laugh in church you can't have a good time in church get the man out of here That was their response, the crowd gathered. I don't have a problem with leaping in church and enjoying the presence of the Lord. Oh, well, we, we're dignified. <laughs> You're a sinner. You ain't dignified. Yeah. You smell in the nostrils of God. Your sin rises. You are a stench. Your sin is a stench before. It. You're not dignified. Worship God. Enjoy Him. Yeah. Has he set you free or not? (laughs) Maybe you're on the or not side. That's okay. Today you could be on the other. He's leaping. I've just offended all the religious people. (laughs) How do you know? Because they manifest. (laughs) The religious demons always manifest. (laughs) He's leaping. Jumping and dancing. There's none of those here today. They were leaping and dancing. And the scene, the commotion, the the response to this man. Hey, that was the lame man outside the gate. I know that man. I've seen that man before. I've seen... He was... He wasn't... He couldn't do that before. Why is... Shh, quiet him down. And Peter a crowd gathers and Peter begins to preach a spontaneous message. This was obviously a a word from the Lord. He begins to speak. He begins to prophesy. And we're going to pick up in verse 11 of Acts chapter 3. And this is what was said. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed... And when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are all witnesses. You know, I don't, think, I don't think Peter went to the current preacher's conferences and learned how to be a better preacher and how to be a seeker-friendly preacher. I don't think he got being a seeker-friendly church. I don't think he under. You are the murderers. He wasn't of the opinion that you were to make people feel comfortable in church. You murderers, you killers, you killed him. But God, in spite of your ignorance, God raised him from the dead. That's my kind of preaching. <laughs> you know, what's our response to that? You know, you can't, it's funny because, let me just pause on my notes and just take a little side trail here. You know, it, it, it's funny because people get offended with the truth. Yeah. They don't, you, you can't handle the truth. You know, you know, they don't know how, they don't know how to handle the truth. And so you have truth, murderer. And we would get mad. Our flesh, well, I'm not a Murderer. I'm a holy, I'm a religious man, I'm a religious woman, I'm, I'm not a murderer. God ordained all of this anyway, you know, I'm not, a. and we try to justify, anybody hear what I'm saying? We try to, every single one of you in this room today is a murderer. So what is, what is our response when the truth comes our way? It ought not to be offense, but I'm the murderer. I Yes, I'm the one. It was my sin that nailed Him to the cross. It was my guilt and my shame that sent Him. Thank God that He went to the cross. Thank God. I, yes, for me He went. So, so when you hear the truth, don't get mad. Get glad. And be liberated. Be, it's, it's a place of freedom. You know, the, the truth hurts. Yeah, the truth hurts. You murderers, you denied the Holy One of Israel. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to. And killed. not only did you murder him, you asked for a murderer. And killed the Prince of Life. You know, it's funny because God ordains the whole situation and He uses the stupidity of man for His own glory. He really does. He uses our weakness and our, our shortcomings for His glory. He does it all of the time. So if you think that you've got it all together... Let me help you. God is moving the direction of your life. Puzzle piece, move by move. He's orchestrating the details of your life. If you think you're so good and got it figured out, you've got another thing coming. There will be a point that you reach a, an aha revelation moment with the Lord when you realize all of a sudden, wow, God's been directing my steps all along. God raised him from the dead, verse 16, and his name through faith and his name has made man That's a, in, in his name. You could stop there. We could preach all day just on in his name. At his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess the powerful name of Jesus, the liberty that's in the name of Jesus, the grace and the mercy at the name of Jesus. <laughs> but we'll keep going. Through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, this, yes, the faith which comes through faith has given him this perfect soundness and the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. See, I I was quoting Peter. I wasn't calling you ignorant. I was quoting Peter. (laughs) Paul said it too in Corinthians. He said, brothers, don't be ignorant. So, I mean, (laughs) he wants us to be transformed as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of His prophets, that the Christ would suffer, He is thus fulfilled. Verse 19, and this is really where I want to zero in today. Verse 19, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, everybody say times of refreshing, refreshing. may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the beginning of the world. I want to take a look at some of the words that are used here in verse 19. Repent. Everybody say repent. repent. This word repent means to change one's course. You know, Jesus, what was Jesus's first message? Was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this this word that Peter is using here is not unfamiliar. He's heard it through the whole ministry of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Amplified Version says this, that the word repent means to change your mind and your purpose. In the Greek, it means to change your mind, to think differently, to act differently, to change your course of direction. So repentance is more than just a thought or a concept. It is an absolute change of direction, change of course, change of idea. It's not just a New Year's resolution. You know, how many of you make New Year's resolutions? Nobody makes New Year's resolutions. And why don't you? Because you know you're what? You're not going to keep them. (laughs) This isn't just an idea, a resolution that you're going to do better. It's not turning over a new leaf in life or a new exploration of life. It is an utter life change by the Spirit of God. It's not just doing your best to stop smoking or doing your best to stop gambling or doing your best to stop cursing or doing your best to stop cheating on your husband or your wife. It's not just doing your best. It is an absolute life change by the Spirit of God. You can't do it yourself. It's a divine encounter. Remember Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the religious leader, comes to Jesus and says, How? How is this possible? And Jesus looked at him and said, You must be born again. You must be regenerated. The Spirit of God must come upon you and bring new life to you. It is the only way to repent. It is allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your life. Just having good intentions isn't good enough. Hello. Having good intentions about doing better, setting you know, the five tips for Heloise, how to become a better you, you know, whatever it is, isn't going to be good enough. You have to be changed and transformed by the Spirit of God at work in your life. Repent. It's so a changing, the word repent and be converted, it's a phrase, Greek phrase there, repent therefore and be converted. Repent means to turn wholeheartedly towards God and then converted in the Greek is to allow Him to change you. It, is, it isn't one or the other, it's both. It's turning completely to God and saying, God, I yield. God, change me. God, transform me. I can't change myself. I need Your power. I need Your grace at work in my life. In Ezekiel 36, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of you and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statue and I will keep my judgments and do them. It's the work of God in your life. Repentance. You know, it's interesting because probably some of you here today are saying, I've got this. I've repented. I've done that. Repentance isn't a one-time act. Repentance is daily. Remember Peter, where Peter is preaching, he's preaching to the religious folks in the temple. Repent. He's preaching to the people who are in church, supposedly worshiping the Lord, supposedly honoring Him. Repent. Repentance for you and I is a continual process of change and transformation. We don't ever stop. It's ongoing. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. It's ongoing change. God, change. You know, and it's every day. You know, as you go through life, especially if you have a spouse, every day of your life, they will identify for you your weaknesses and your shortcomings. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, your spouse does. And they'll, they'll identify for you every shortcoming and every weakness. And make sure that you know them. And so every day, it becomes a journey of repentance saying... You're right, God. I'm not perfect. You're right. I I said it again. I messed up again. Lord, forgive me. You humble yourself. It's a change of life. It's the way that you're living. It's a change. And it's granted by God. Paul told Timothy that if God perhaps will grant them repentance. You know, you don't have the ability to change. It's God's working in you. Repentance, the power of God, the change of God will help you navigate the minefields of your life. When you start walking through the the addictions of your life, maybe this morning you're addicted to pornography. Maybe this morning you're addicted to an old lifestyle habit. Maybe this morning you're addicted to success and money. It doesn't matter what the addiction is or what the sin is or the weight of your life is. Repentance helps you navigate those minefields. Lord, I repent. I turn. I don't want to go down the path of destruction, but I yield to you, Lord. I want to be converted I want to be changed in this area of my heart change me Lord change this attitude again Lord change this aspect of my heart again God I want to be like you I want to be like your image I want to be transformed into your image Lord amen and he goes on he says repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out your sins may be erased or obliterated in the Greek. God wants to obliterate your past. He wants to remove the past sins. He doesn't look at your past the way you do. Maybe today there are skeletons hiding in the closet of your life. Skeletons of things that you did that you never thought you would do. Maybe skeletons of past decisions and behaviors that you wished would have never happened. But God says here in Acts 3.19 that He will blot out every sin, every tra- he'll remove from your very remembrance he can remove it from your very remembrance you won't even remember that person anymore who was that person God doesn't remember he obliterates it It means to wipe out means to erase in Micah chapter 7 verse 19 it says once again you will have compassion on us You will trample our sins under Your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. It's time to get the skeletons out of the closet and get them into the ocean of the blood of Jesus. Time to get them out. Well, that's a little uncomfortable, Pastor. I don't like God going around and messing in in my closet. I like my closet being a little dark and dreary and messy. I like the mold growing on the walls. I like the skeletons that are hanging out in the dark places of my life because it means I don't have to deal with them. It means that I don't have to confront them. It means that I don't have to hear the truth about those things. Yikes. Allow the Holy Spirit to go in Allow Him to go into the recesses of your life. The things that you find full of shame. The Bible says in Isaiah that you will remember the shame of your youth no more. He will wipe it away. Behold, the God, the Creator of all things. He is your husband. He has called you by your name. Allow Him to remove the shame of your past. He'll blot them out. He'll remove them. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us, He will take them, He will remove them, you will not remember them, and God no longer sees them. Amen. God no longer identifies you by who you were. He sees the image of His Son imputed onto your life. We call it imputed righteousness. God sees the righteousness of His Son on your life. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. The grace of God, the effect of the grace of God on your life. He brings repentance. He grants repentance in your life, and He will blot out your sins not only does he blot out your sins and change you but he will deliver you he will deliver you from your past he will deliver you from your addiction he will deliver you from your insecurities he will deliver you from your hurt and your offense our God is a delivering god he's faithful to deliver and to set you free you know the modern grace message of deliver the modern grace message this message that says you can live and do what you want because you're under grace you can Do whatever you want because you're under grace and God loves you. Weakens. We don't believe that. That's not scriptural. You can't live however you want. Let me just pause there for a moment. In the society in which we live, they don't want to hear you murderer. Repent. Those words are are not tolerable. They they want the Christians to be tolerant of everything. But when you start to say there is an absolute truth and it is the Word of God. Repent from your sin. Turn from your sin. They don't want to hear that. They, they want to quiet that. Listen, I, I'm not calling out any particular sin. Sin is sin. And all of us are required to repent before God. God demands absolute holiness and perfection. But none of us are able to obtain that. That was Martin Luther's problem. Martin Luther had a big problem with the Pauline epistles. He had a huge problem. Matter of fact, he said he beat upon the Pauline epistles because he couldn't understand how a holy God, a perfect God, would allow us into his presence. And so he beat upon it until he had the revelation that it was by grace through faith are you saved. It's not by the works of man. My works could never be holy enough. My good works could never be righteous enough. It is by grace through faith. It is a free gift of God. And this modern grace message would water it down. They want to water it down. And it waters down. It it doesn't even water it down. It deletes the power of deliverance. Because you can live how you want and there's no need for deliverance. You and I need absolute deliverance from every aspect of sin and hurt and insecurity. Everything that is of our carnal nature needs the delivering work of God in our lives. Hallelujah. And God places his righteousness upon us. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, he says, He then would have had to suffer off, often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away. Say, put away. Put away. Wipe out, obliterate sin by the sacrifice of himself. Christ came and made utter obliteration of your sin. Oh, you just missed an opportunity to shout. (laughs) The revelation of that, still seeking in. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate high priest, the ultimate propitiation for our sin, came and made utter obliteration of your sin. Hallelujah. And Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. verse 12, as you're you're turning there, if you're taking notes this morning, this isn't in my notes, by the way, in the media, you can just follow along, but but as you're turning there, I want you to write a phrase down. If you're taking notes or maybe grab your phone, I want you to learn this phrase. I, I love giving out Bible terms. I want you to know Bible terms. And so I use terms, I don't, I don't want to water down my messages like a lot of people do. So I, I use words like propitiation. I use Bible terms. I use Bible terms like imputed righteousness and holiness <laughs> and forgiveness. I like those Bible terms. I like, I like what the Bible says. You know, I like using those words. And so I'm going to give you another Bible term. And, and maybe this will help you this morning. It's called the sufficiency of Christ. I want to give you another good Bible term, the sufficiency of Christ. In other words, is Jesus enough for you? Is God enough for you? Or do you have to continue on in your sin? Do you have to continue on in the old life cycles and patterns and behaviors of hurt and rejection and sin and addiction and bondage? Or do you allow God to be enough in your life? You know, it's easy on a Sunday morning when the pastor is preaching to say, oh, yes, hallelujah, glory to God. He's enough. (laughs) Woo, I feel it. But come Monday morning when your co-worker is staring at you in the face and cursing you out and telling you how horrible you are. Is Jesus enough? Come Tuesday when your bank account starts going down, 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 down because you paid all your bills on Monday. Is Jesus still enough for you? Y'all are getting quiet up in hell. When the pastor's not around and the worship team's not singing and the lights aren't on and the, the church doors aren't open, when you're facing life for yourself, is Jesus enough in the middle of it? Or do you have to revert to something else to satisfy you? Oh, we all do it. We all do. Whether it's the bag of potato chips on the couch, the container of Oreos. Don't mess with my Oreos. Heather threw the microphone about the, the cupcakes. I could care less about my uh, cupcakes. I mean, that sounds really good, but don't mess with my Oreos. <laughs> you know, whether it, or, or it could be the, the, the glass of wine or the beer or the strip club or the porno or the whatever it is that you're trying to fill. Hello. Whatever it is that you're just trying to get by with, to find your rest, to find your peace, to find a breakaway moment. Where you just got to breathe for a minute. You just got to do something to to just deal with the stress. To just deal with life. I just got to deal, man. Whether it's you're shooting up or you're snorting or whatever it is. Listen, it's the same thing. You're just trying to fill your life with someone or something other than Christ. Is Christ enough? (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. Now that we have fully... Just gone there this morning. Let's read Romans 6. It says, therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. In other words, you've been liberated from this. You've been liberated from the law of sin and death. Don't allow the the law of sin and death to have control in your mortal body. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, this puts all of us at an equal level at the cross. None of us are without sin. But it doesn't mean that we keep on sinning. The delivering power of the grace of God in our life. Matter of fact, in Romans 5 and verse 18, it says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in what? Not that you continue on in sin, not that you continue on a lifestyle of sin, but justification. A lifestyle of justification by God. When God justifies you, you don't. Let's just let that sink in for a minute. When God justifies you, you don't. You don't have to justify your sin. You don't have to try to uh, make excuses for your sin. Well, I'm Irish, so I just have a bad temper. No, you're carnal and you have a bad temper. I'm fat and lazy, so I eat a lot. You're carnal. That's why you're fat and lazy and eat a lot. Whatever the case is, fill in the gap. Don't get mad. I'm just trying to help you. Spirit, soul, body. Every aspect of your life, the gospel wants to touch it today. I'm fat and I need to lose weight. My doctor told me so. So I'm I'm right there with you. I'm losing weight. I mean, hey, when truth comes, you say, okay, Lord, change me, transform me. Y'all can laugh. Some of you are starting to figure out, can I laugh at the pastor calling called himself fat? Is that, is that right? Should we just laugh at that or not? Justification. Be justified. Don't justify your sin. For as by one man's disobedience, man were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many became righteous. Live in the righteousness of God. Let's keep going. Acts 3.19. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing means recovery from the effects from heat, reviving with fresh air, to be revived, recovery of breath. It means to find your rest. Maybe you have found yourself in life to just be overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed with your job. You're overwhelmed with your family. You're overwhelmed with your kids. You're overwhelmed. And have you ever found yourself just saying, I just need to catch my breath? I just need a break. I just need to get away. I just need a... vacation. vacation's not what you need. You need times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. I promise. Are you with me this morning? Times of refreshing from His presence. You know, this is a picture of the, holy, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What had just happened? The day of Pentecost. They all received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Refreshing comes from the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Yes, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You need to be absolutely saturated. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet of all times, said, Jesus said that. He was the greatest prophet. And his prophecy was this, that he will save the sins, that He will save man from the sins. He will be the Savior of the world. 2nd I'm trying to keep it together. At second, it's hard sometimes when the anointing starts falling. Second, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. It is the rest. It is the refreshing that you need for your soul. I couldn't make it without praying in tongues. I can't stand up here every week and look at you without praying in tongues. I can't do ministry without praying in tongues. I can't deal with our staff without praying in tongues. I can't deal with my wife without praying in tongues. That's not a bad thing. It's reality, folks. It's reality. That's why you've got the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. Well, I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then you need to be. You need to seek. You need to seek after the blessing of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Isaiah says this. Isaiah 28, verse 11 says, With stammering lips and another tongue He will speak to this people to whom He said this. This is a prophecy about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is a prophecy about praying in tongues. I mean, how much plainer does it get? With stammering lips and another tongue, He will speak to this people. (laughs) Baptism in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. And goes on to say, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Refreshing for your soul. God wants to immerse you into his living waters. He wants to immerse you into the, his very presence. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, they come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2 says that the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. Jesus Christ is the outshining of the Father. That word for presence is the word in the Greek for face. The face of God. The face of His presence. The, The picture of this in the Old Testament was the face, the showbread, the face of God. In the Old Testament, we see it continued into the New Testament. Jesus became the face of God. The exact imprint of His nature expressed in human form. He is the radiance of God. He is the radiance of the Father. In Him, John 1 says, was the life and the life was the light of men. And John, it goes on to say, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He is the radiance, the expression of God to you and I. The refreshing of our soul comes from the presence of God. Hallelujah. He goes on to say here, the times of restoration will come I gotta speed this up but verse 21 says there's times of restoration of all things that word restoration of all things it means to change to a previous state to restore to a time of restoration or making new restitution returning to a former state I you know I would love to hear I'd love to hear the rest of Peter's message On the day of Pentecost. It says, with many other words, he continued to warn. I wonder what else he had to preach. My guess is, if I had to guess what was happening in Acts 2 and 3 and the messages that he was preaching and what he was sharing, was a continuation of Joel and Joel chapter 2. Matter of fact, why don't we read that? Joel chapter 2 and verse 21. Joel chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vast shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. I would imagine that's probably. probably. Probably the rest of Peter's message. (laughs) That our God is a restorer of all things. He is a restorer of your life. He will not only blot out your sins and bring refreshing, but He will restore you to your previous state. He will restore you into the... What does that mean? He will restore you to your previous state. Well, go back with me to the Garden of Eden just for a moment. Just rewind for a moment. Go back to the Garden of Eden. What was the the intent, the purpose of the Garden of Eden? You know, what happened at the fall? Well, we lost, it affected our health. It affected our crops. You know, the blessing that was on the crops. I mean, the big big one, we know that they were going to die. No longer did they have immortality. Their life would come to an end. But that wasn't the root of all of the issues. That wasn't the only Problem that we were affected by in the fall. The greatest and the root of all of them is that we lost fellowship with God. We lost fellowship with God. On the day of Pentecost, On the day of Pentecost, this promise of the Father, this promise to be restored, to fellowship with God, was fulfilled. Yeah, it was legally purchased on the cross. It was legally obtained at the cross. But the day of Pentecost was the fulfillment of our fellowship being restored with God. Our God is a restorer of all things. The things that the sins of your life have destroyed, the decisions and the behaviors that have caused And wreaked havoc on your life. Our God is a restorer. Your latter years can be greater than the former. Your relationship with your family can be better today than it was 20 years ago. The the issues of your past can be erased, can be obliterated, and our God is a restorer of all things. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, it says, Therefore, he who is able to save to the uttermost. I love that. I can get spiritually intoxicated on that word uttermost. <laughs> it's amazing how one word in the Bible can just affect you so much. He will save you to the uttermost. Those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. That word uttermost, it means completely and forever. He wants to save you completely. Spirit, soul, body. He wants to transform your mind. He wants to transform your emotions. He wants to transform your will. The very core of your nature. The desires that war within you, Paul said. He wants to change those too. He wants to go into the very nooks and crannies and the recesses of your life and transform you. He can save you to the uttermost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know that you're really excited about that this morning. Woo! Thank you, Lord. I am saved to the uttermost. He comes and transforms every aspect of my life. He doesn't leave one area untouched. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Woo! He doesn't leave it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me completely. You saved me finally. You saved me forever, for eternity. You have your hand on my life. You've put your finger on my life. You've touched me. You've changed me. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus, for times of visitation, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that I can. Yeah, why don't you just stand with me this morning. I can be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. I can be renewed in the presence of God today. I don't have to carry around. Friend, you don't have to carry around the skeletons of yesterday. You don't have to carry around the weights of today. But our God is able to deliver you. He is able to to refresh you. He's able to renew you. He's able to set you free today. You don't have to carry the weights. You don't have to carry the emotional burden or bondage God can set you free today God wants to liberate you today hallelujah times of refreshing for your soul hallelujah just praise Him with me Lord we bless you Lord we bless you Lord hallelujah thank you Lord for seasons of refreshing thank you Jesus hallelujah thank you hallelujah 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 Hallelujah. Spirit, soul, body, changed by God, renewed. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't carry the weight anymore. Just repent. Just repent. You don't have to carry the sin anymore. Just repent. You don't have to carry the bondage. Just repent. Just repent. You know, we look a lot of times at repentance is a bad thing. You know, it's a you know it's heavy. Heavy. Bad. You know, you go to the altar and repent, you you know, you must be a sinner. You're just really bad. You know, you gotta repent. You gotta repent every day? You must be really bad. Repentance is the best thing you could do in life. Why do we why do we preach salvation and repentance? And it's the best decision you'll ever make. And then all of a sudden, we, it's the worst decision you could ever make. Uh, it, it's, a, it's every day, change. Every day. Every day, Lord, change me. Every day, Lord, make me new. Every day, God, help me. <laughs> it's a place of victory, you know. That is the place to humble yourself and say, Lord, I repent place of victory does it mean that you're constantly woe is me I'm at the altar again Lord I can't do it Lord Jesus no that's not what repentance is that's having a cry party repentance is saying Lord you can change me Lord you can set me free I don't even want to change there's people here this morning you don't even want to change isn't that bad? No, that's not bad. You're carnal. Just a fact. Just a fact. Matter of fact, I tell people all the time, if they, you know, if you're counseling people, they're, oh, I want to get free. I want, you know, I want to be set free. And then they tell me and tell me and tell me how they don't want to be set free. And so I look at them and just say, go live in sin. Come find me when you're ready. And when you think you're not ready, just come find me and we'll just say, God, change me. But until you get to that place, don't talk to me. You say, well, that's being me. No, it's not. You It might be here this morning. Very true. Might be here this morning and say, I don't want to change. I like my sin. I want to pet it. I want it to follow me everywhere I go. I want to bring it like a little puppy on the airplane. Everywhere I go, I want my, I want my sin to go with me, and I don't want to change. But maybe this morning, by the preaching of the word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's, there's a, even a pinhole of light that has penetrated your soul. And you realize, I don't want to change, but I know that God wants to change me. On. One of the most dangerous prayers you can ever pray is, Lord, I don't want to change, but you can change me. You can have the worst... At it. You know, I've prayed that prayer before. It's dangerous. I found in, in 2007, I'd move, you know, move across the country. I'll tell you a story. i move across the country. Go for, you know, two weeks. I had two weeks to move. I left everything, everybody, all my friends, family, whatever. You know, people are close. You make a quick change, move, move across the country. Into the South. We all know the North and South is different. You don't know that yet. Just hang out with us for a little bit. It's different. <laughs> Culture's different. People are different. Started a new job. Working at a job. As a Christian, I'm going to do ministry, right? We're going to do ministry. And I, I found out people in ministry are not always nice. I know that would just just come as a shock. I mean, everybody we all know. I realized real quick, you know, they weren't. they weren't very nice not very nice and I, not only were they not very nice I didn't agree with some of the things that were happening behind the scenes and so you know you leave that job and I left that job and I thought wow Lord you just moved me across the country for a job that I absolutely hated Gee, thanks. I appreciate that I'm just being real. Can I just share a story this morning? I, I can't believe, Lord, why would you do that? You know what my solution was? I'm packing up and going back home. That's, that was my thought. And I told Heather, I said, I'm done. I'm leaving. These people are crazy. You New Orleans people are crazy. I'm done. It really wasn't New Orleans people. It was just a select view. And I thought, Lord... What are you doing? Why would you move me? Have you ever been there? Lord, why would you do something so drastic? Why would you move me across the country for a job that is just ridiculous? For a ministry job. A ministry job. And I found myself mad and angry at church people and then hated church people. You know, church people can be the worst, in case you didn't know that. (laughs) Mad and angry, tired of church. And I'm like, what is going on, Lord? Why am I so mad at church people? Church people didn't do this. You did it. You moved me. They didn't move me. You did this. So what's going on? And I learned a lesson about the sovereignty of God in that moment. Because I realized God was ordering my steps. And so if God had me here, he had a reason for it. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but it'll help somebody. He moved the puzzle piece of my life to get me. I mean, ultimately, I met my wife and we got married. I mean, that's a great story. But there was more to it than that. I needed a refreshing. I needed seasons of refreshing in my life. I needed to learn to step in by repentance into the presence of the Lord and learn and understand what it meant to live in the seasons of refreshing. And sometimes the only prayer you can pray is Lord, I hate it. I hate these people. I hate this situation. I hate what I'm going through, but you can change it. And you know where he's going to start? I had to find myself rolling on the floor laughing uncontrollably, saying to myself, you don't do this. This is not right. You are making a fool of yourself. You are rolling on the floor. You have carried people out of services for less than this. You are making a fool of yourself. My brain rolling. As I'm, as I'm rolling, my brain was rolling on the floor laughing uncontrollably by the, in the presence of the Lord. Wrapped, enveloped, in God, I felt like I had the, the marshmallow effect where God's presence was like a big marshmallow all over me and I'm just rolling all in it. The presence of the Lord changed me. Like, God changed me for two months. I couldn't go anywhere. I was an absolute intoxicated mess in the presence of the Lord. I mean, we'd go out. I mean, it didn't matter where we went. I, I was, it was uncontrollable. I could walk. I could barely... Two months... Literally two months. You know, think about that. How that would affect if you were spiritually drunk for two months? Think about that for a moment. Just couldn't do. I was incapacitated. Times of refreshing changed my life. Changed my life. Seasons of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. I'm not going to say you're going to roll up under the pews laughing, although it might not be a bad idea. I'm not going to say that you're going to do that. But I will promise you this, the presence of the Lord, seasons of refreshing in his presence. When you repent and say, Lord, I know that you can change me. I know that you can transform me. I, I, maybe I don't want to change. Maybe you do want to change May I don't know. But Lord, just change me. Change my heart. Change my mind. Change the course of direction of my life. Maybe you hear this. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I feel this. So strongly today. That's why I'm still rolling. Otherwise, I would have already gone into the altar time. But I just I I feel this so strongly this morning. You might be here this morning. You say, you know, my life's going pretty good. Uh, Things are going great. Good for you. How's the times of refreshing going for you? Are you learning to drink daily of his presence? Are you learning to saturate yourself in God? It's interesting to watch when the anointing starts falling on people in a service, you know, as it did today with you know people laughing and the joy of the Lord touching people, people falling or any of those things. It's always interesting to watch people's responses. I said this on Wednesday, you know, you have people say, well, that's just fake. Or they're just faking it. Or they, look, they criticize God touching people. I've heard it all. They criticize God touching people. And then You know, I get asked, well, what, what's your take on all that? But to me, I don't really care. If they fake it, then praise the Lord. Fake it till you make it. Just get a touch from the Lord. Let God touch you. I've had people come up to me and they say, you know, I didn't really feel anything when you laid hands on me. I just fell. It was a courtesy drop. (laughs) But when I hit the floor, I got something. I, I say it all the time. There's a river that's flowing up here. If you just lay in it a while, you'll get something. I don't care if, you know, if nothing else just hit your head real hard on the concrete, you'll get something you'll get up days something I don't know I don't I don't get that stuff doesn't bother me let him fall out of the windows you know let him let him fall out of the back whatever we, it's messy revival's messy I, and I don't my job is not to be the judge of who's getting it and who's not my job is to say whosoever will come whosoever will come and let him come Let them come and let God sort out the rest. Because He he does it a lot better than I. Doesn't mean we don't disciple people and walk people through. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, just let God be God. If you fall, fall. If you laugh, laugh. I don't care. Just get touched by God. Just don't look like the filthy, ugly you that you looked like when you came down. Just don't leave the altar the same way. Don't leave with the same sin. Don't keep going on in the same sin and be changed and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Why don't you take the hand of the person next to you. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you for seasons of refreshing in our church. Lord, we ask for seasons, seasons of refreshing, Lord. Lord, Show us, Lord, the areas of our lives where we need to repent, where we need to turn to you, where we need to be changed and transformed. Lord, maybe it's a critical attitude. Maybe it's judgmental attitude. Lord, maybe it's a sin or struggle area of weakness, Lord. Maybe it's an addiction to success or notoriety, Lord, whatever it is. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, teach us, show us, Lord, the areas where we need to repent and turn to You. And I pray, Holy Spirit, today that You, as David said, would search our hearts, search our inner man, search our thoughts, know our hearts, know our thoughts, know our minds. God, come in. Come into the recesses of our life and shine the the Holy Ghost spotlight on. Lord, and help us to know where we need to change. God, not ourselves. But we need to yield and let you change us. Lord, where we can say, God, change my bad attitude. Lord, help me to love my spouse. Lord, help me to love my kids. Lord, help me to help me, Lord, to, to be the, the Christian that you've called me to be. Help me, Lord, to be the minister that you've called me to be. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to be the employer or employee that you've called me to be. Lord, continue to change me and transform me that I might be refreshed from your presence. I don't have to carry the weight anymore. I can be refreshed. Thank you for joining the celebration podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father,